shirts and past event videos, check out his website, zenbitchlap.com. Okay, and tonight I've chosen page 44, the agnostics. So the, the bottom paragraph, and I'll read it. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago, but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral, we could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all of our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? Well, this is what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. That means we have written a book about which uh, a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral, and it means, of course, that we are going to talk about God. Here difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship, but his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God, for we have reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. Okay, that's the reading. Uh, over to you, Paul. Thanks, Ben. Paul, alcoholic. Nice to see everybody. Uh, yes. Hmm. The idea, though, of a philosophy that stems out of what the power that's given through recovery can be quite powerful. So it's not, there's nothing wrong with philosophy or anything else. It needs some. It needs power to sort of uh, enlighten it or to infuse it, and that power we find is is found in the admittance of powerlessness, and opening up to an unsuspected inner resource through the work of the program and through the whole all the suggestions and the habits and the community and the service, and in by doing that we get introduced to that power and that power does for us what no human power could do it solves the problem as it says there the problem yeah so to me the problem is a bondage of self really the solution that exasperates that is drinking and drug use because really to me drinking and drug use was a solution to the problem of obsession or bondage of self I wanted, though, maybe quite temporarily to feel free. And if it costs uh, a jail sentence tomorrow or a, or a broken relationship, it seemed to be worth it. Basically, everything seemed to be worth it. Uh, so the alcoholic of my type was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow, not to feel uncomfortable now. And uh, that was basically the dilemma. And so... There was a lot of exerting power when I didn't have any, and I got the consequences of that. So you went to recovery. 
it has nothing to do with his, uh, let's see, such codes or philosophies did not save us, of course, because there was no power behind it, because we were occupied by this uh, parasitical nature. So it neuters all the effects that things could bring to us and allow to happen in our lives, it neuters them. And basically, the philosophy is used as to deflect from the real problem, or the moral code is a way of hiding the elephant in the room. And things get all jumbled up and mixed up because of how we are and how we start and where we're and what's directing us. And we don't really have a clue in most cases. We got a lot of reasons and rationales, but they don't really hold water. It's like that. Professor in holes keeps falling into holes. What's the value of the knowledge? So, um, yeah, like I've spoken a lot of times over the years about people attempting to sort of replace recovery with Buddhism and they become drunk Buddhists, quite a lot of them. So this is sort of what he's saying. The dilemma is powerlessness. And for us who've been introduced to this way of life, it, there's the the admittance of powerlessness accesses the power that's greater than self and then something else starts having an influence in our life and if we live a simple daily life st staying away from drunk and alcohol a day at a time and we're not even staying away from it it's been moved away from us really <laughs> so uh this power grows and it becomes uh, that unsuspected resource is the intimate uh, realization of that power working through us in our lives. So, yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah. Bill W and these, and these folks, they really bent over backwards to make, it is as approachable as possible just to get people's foot in the door because of that resistance and that reluctance. That is quite a phenomenon in the, in the world of disease. Most people who have a disease tend to look for a solution to it. But when we're had by alcoholism, one of its main aspects is a denial and a resistance to a solution, <laughs> you know, because uh, when we're looking from the parasite, the parasite doesn't see the solution as a solution. It sees it as a problem. So it wants to avoid it at all costs. And you can see it when you see the reluctance of people to an inventory process. Though they take inventory of others all day, they're very reluctant to do an inventory of themselves. And uh, why? Why is that? And it's not a it's it's a it's a pattern in the community of recovery. Yeah? People tend to go out around the fourth step and the ninth step, so so to speak. So uh, why is that? Because something doesn't want us to go there. Because if you see your role in things, you're going to see something else's role in things. And as soon as you start seeing what you used to call you as something else the possibility of being free from it becomes available. And that's a huge threat to the parasite because the parasite needs us more than we need the parasite, obviously. <laughs> its whole life is determined on, determined on keeping the host sort of in the dark. Yeah, it doesn't want the host to wake up. 
<laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. No, I know. I never had a. I didn't fall into an agnostic category. I had a sense or a feeling of, of that, uh, that ideal like every man and woman may have, and, uh, but by, it was a weird playing God. Even though I believe that something could help me, I don't feel like I deserved it. I think really, I think that was a real twist of the playing God in the head. Uh, it sort of all the trials and tribulations that fell upon me seemed to be well-deserved really in a weird mutated way. I really believed I deserved the shit that happened. And it was a, that's a tough one to get out of because if that which is playing God, it can't get out of that state of playing God. Yeah. So if you say quit playing God to it, it's, a, it's still playing God. So uh, I felt like I was under, you know, that thing is just a very smart, small statement in the big book, but it's, it's preceded by first, which means it's a paramount idea, which is first, we've got to quit playing God. That's an amazing, that could be skipped over easily. It's, it's like not even a real big sentence. But to me, that was the whole, uh, that was an apt description in hindsight, when I entered recovery, I was just being batted around by something playing God. Yeah, I mean, it was telling me how I was, how they were, how you are, how you all be. And I really felt like I had it coming. You know, I think the 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 mistakes I made in through the disease were seen as moral. Yeah, that it was bad, that there was volition there. Yeah. And that I really needed, you know, I mean, I guess I thought I needed it so much. One getting run over by a car once wasn't enough. I had to get run over twice. I thought that was a pretty incredible description of the die, the, the dynamic in the head that was going on that somebody, you know, once would have been a sufficient. Yeah. To, but to have someone back up over me was a little bit. I thought that was a little bit uh, <laughs> too much, but I feel the, the sense of so much self-importance that I was so bad that I deserved all this shit was fucking incredible bondage of self. I mean, that's like a high level of being bound to this thing that's playing God, really. I mean, shit. So uh, more and more gets revealed when you get relief, you see how comprehensive that bondage was man it was really the life was drenched in it all the pursuits and attempts to get out of it were drenched in it being in it was drenched in it yeah it was a uh, it was something else so i feel the greatest effect of recovery in this event was the shifting of interest and attention from self to uh, to life really yeah and that was to others and a lot of other you know they could have described they could have stated that statement in the third step which is you lost you lose interest in self and then there could have been a huge description after what happens with that interest yeah but they just said you'll you'll gain interest in others and see what you could contribute to life they could have went off for pages and pages 
what happens when there's a loss of interest in self. It's, that's the monumental shift. Yeah. And the way to recognize that is having warnings about self trying to get out of self. Yeah. So that you don't get caught in that net of self trying to get out of self, which is just more self. So you recognize the futility of this identification as being the doer, the thinker, the haver, the shaker, the alpha and the omega. Yeah. You loot, you realize that you're driven more than driving. Yeah. Yeah. You're placed in a position of neutrality. You don't arrive there. You don't claw and climb yourself into neutrality. <laughs> you and you you get established to the ability of enjoying peace of mind. You know, it's not like I worked out eight hours and now I'm enjoying peace of mind. No, you've arrived. You've outgrown older states and you're in different states. And in these states, you have the ability to enjoy peace of mind. Yeah, <laughs> it's nothing the old state did to to get in shape to be the new state it was recognizing you're not the old state <laughs> that's the beginning of the new state yeah the old state doesn't transform into the new state that's the same state self can't get out of self yeah <laughs> i've seen it i've seen the thief start living like the policeman i've seen it i've seen the sinner living like a saint it wasn't that fun yeah it was like having a big stick up one's ass and then pontificating and judging everyone else. <laughs> that was definitely not the freedom from the bondage of self. That's for sure. Yeah. The solution became a bondage of self. Yeah. Another identity was forged in that mental little fucking oven. And now I was a spiritual person. <laughs> So thank God there is a possibility of, of the interest being directed and being uh, shown a new migratory pattern. So it just doesn't keep going self, going back to self, but actually a loss of interest in self and a gaining interest about everything else from the infinite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you. Yeah, I think that's it. It's again, that's a very important thing that the, the, the dilemma of powerlessness. Yeah. Why is it their dilemma? Because we just don't get it. Yeah. That's the dilemma. It's not powerlessness isn't a dilemma. There's a dilemma around it because we're not admitting it. We don't see it. And then, so when we admit it, it's incredible because it opens up to us to power. But the dilemma is we keep exerting power though we're powerless yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a dilemma yeah <laughs> i would like to see that corrected yeah <laughs> that would work that would be a huge shift all right because i realized you know when i'm exerting power i don't seem to have I have experiences of frustration and blame and fucking getting pissed off and shit like that. Yeah. And yet when I admit I'm powerless, I, I don't experience powerlessness. I experience, you know, uh, power really. 
Yeah, so who would have thunk? Yeah. In the thinking, the thinking doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like a path the thinking would take to arrive there. The path of thinking doesn't go that way, yeah? It doesn't. That's a logic, not from the thought system, that's a logic that we see, that we feel, yeah? Like you have it by giving it away, yeah? That's a fact in this life of recovery. But how many people in their lives see that as a fact? They don't. But it's a fact in recovery. You have it by giving it away. Yeah? So, yeah, and the other one, one of the things I don't agree about the book is that you have to have it to give it away. I don't believe so. I believe if you're willing to give it away, you'll have it. <laughs> I really do. So, that's been my experience, anyway. All right, thanks. Great, thank you, Paul. Uh, so if anyone's got any questions to ask. I don't the, know if I talked about the point, whatever. On the, um, on the reading or anything else related to your recovery, uh, raise your hand and come in. Um, okay, Stephen. I'm not able to unmute here. Yeah, I got, I got, yeah. I'm on, I think, if you can hear me. So, uh, so Paul, it's been a pleasure to actually hear you. I've been following you on YouTube for a long time, actually. And uh, COVID, I've been working a lot more from home, so I've been able to kind of tune in on my lunch hour once in a while. And I was inter first introduced to the concept or the idea of the Danta non-duality way back in the late 90s. Um really through a yoga practice is how I initially got introduced to it. And through, I think, I think I've even heard you mention Belsicar and it's always been one of those things that's, that's just kind of been there and it's kind of been more intense and at times and less intense. And it's been incredibly intense lately. Um, so anyway, it's a pleasure to actually be able to kind of tune in in live. I, I must have always been fascinated by just the, the title of this chapter. We agnostics. It was, it's not, we agnostics not um to those of us who are agnostic for those of you who are not agnostic skip this chapter it doesn't say that we agnostics it's i've always thought of just the title of this itself is kind of interesting but so my question is actually a little bit off that though it's it's when you, when you experience let's call it this this shift let's call it a shift in perception i guess you can describe it a lot of different ways what what has been your experience since that moment with step six and seven character defects? And I'm particularly interested in something that happened to me last week, <clears throat> anger, right? Um, so I'm assuming these things don't disappear. We, we retain our humanity, right? Um, and, um, you know, someone I'm close to, you know, said something and it, and I snapped and I said something inappropriate back. And I just said, man, you know, it's one of those moments where it's like, where did that come from? Right. Why, why, why are these things starting to pop up like that? So, you know, these things don't, I'm assuming don't really go away. Um, but what's been your experience since, right? I'm, I'm assuming there's been some kind of a, a shift or some, you know, a lessening of those things maybe would be the way to describe it, or maybe not. I don't know. What, what's been your experience with, six and seven type issues um after after kind of seeing things differently let's put it that way so i'll, I'll leave it at that 
Well, let's say there was a seeing th things differently and then there was more six and seven stuff. Because more stuff that was noticed was seen as not of me. Yeah, so I would bring that to the, uh, through the process of six and seven. Yeah, so something would be coming up or I would hear it from another person at a meeting and I'd feel a little twinge of, of recognition and I would just bring it up. And I feel it's, uh, it's like energy and then there's an image of the energy which is the story or whatever, the past experience. And uh, by turning it over to six and seven, I'm asking that power just to reconfigure the energy. Yeah. Yeah. So that the energy is there because it can't be created nor destroyed, but it's appearing in a certain way. That's I don't feel is of maximum is making me of maximum use to myself or others. Yes. So there's just a simple recognition that this uh, doesn't work, let's say. And so when stuff comes up, I would bring it there. So basically, really, the program after a while became more about six and seven than anything else. Yeah, because more got revealed all the time. And then, of course, you've outgrown a lot of situations. So there's less and less opportunities uh, to use six and seven, which is an uh a result of using six and seven, really. <laughs> because what you're not doesn't have an infinite supply of itself. It really doesn't. It's mostly repetitive of the same old, same old. So once you start uh, taking out, you don't have to take out the five miles. You just take out maybe a couple of feet of the basic premise, and then it just doesn't roll that long, yeah? It doesn't have the momentum to reconfigure. So the the old form of the energy, the energy is just over, is uh, blowing out of that form, so to speak. Yes? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically it just turns into energy, all energy. So, uh, yeah. But for uh, my feeling, just like when I came in, you know, obviously, most of us believe the thoughts are ours. Yeah, that we're the we're the thinker of them, or somehow where we take our thoughts and we act on them and stuff like that. And when I saw that, I you know that a lot of the thoughts were alcoholic thoughts. That was the first. It wasn't a complete. None of these are mine. It was a first. It was a block of thoughts that were now called alcoholic. And they were easily recognized because I heard a lot of people sharing them. So I figured, how could they be my thoughts if all these people at these meetings have them? So I, that was a huge shift. Yeah. So I started to see uh, the thinker role in the thoughts more than the thoughts role on the thinker. Yeah. The thinker is a thought, really. So it was... Uh, yeah, so six and seven. I still get free. I get ex samples of, of very strong illustrations of uh, unworkable strategies that were the maps that Paul lived by. <laughs> when Paul, you know, way before it even drank, it just had 
certain strategies of living that are amazing it survived really because uh so those things get tweaked every once in a while and i just bring it to six and seven because this is my formal ritual called recovery yeah so i do it like the book says yeah i go i'm entirely ready to have this removed or reconfigured and i ask that power to do it yeah 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 so uh yeah outgrowing part of outgrowing is you become more aware of what you were grown into before yeah that's part of the outgrowing when you leave a system you really see the system more than when you're in the system yeah so as you're outgrowing it you see a lot of it <laughs> and that to me is where six and seven is valuable incredibly valuable because i believe see it's incredible i in this story of paul as an action figure i was saved by recovery yeah the higher power got me sober, but how I stayed sober was recovery. Yes. The higher power whacked, whacked me. I was struck sober, but then I it was immediately and a couple hours later introduced to a way of life called recovery, which allowed that possibility to extend now for 33 years. Incredible. Yeah. So I have a lot of oomph around recovery. So when I when I perform recovery rituals, it has a lot of oomph, yeah? Because there's, there was a, like non-duality has its own oomph, yeah? But in the movie, my experience of being saved by recovery is the most powerful momentum of moving energy in this action figure life seriously so i love uh living the principles of aa yes so do i need to say maybe six and seven no but i like to say six and seven because saying six and seven reminds me of all those demonstrations through me and others that i've witnessed and there's a lot of juice there yeah a lot of juice so yeah so of course yeah the thing is the amount of weight alcoholism produces isn't in ratio of all that of all of its traits it has a very limited amount of traits yeah it 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 uh mutes certain qualities and amplifies other qualities it doesn't have an infinite array of shit it has a very limited, but it keeps doing it over and over. Yeah. So once you start seeing it in, a, in its diagram form, you don't ever end up moving into its house. Yeah. And having a rent and a mortgage and shit. You're sort of free from it because you see it at its conception in the mind. Yeah. You're not living its manifestations, which is awesome. Yeah. So, uh, there's less, as you go to the mind, there's less weight to carry. There's less shit to undo. There's less movement. There's no, less effort and strain. Yeah. Because it's on a, it's more on a blueprint level. You see it before it actually gets any kind of weight or scale. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
So the problem resides in the mind. And in the mind, it's just an idea. It's when it manifests and gives us a life. And then, of course, this, the, the, the constant, like when you're out there using, drinking, you're, the oppression of, of your consequences, your whole drive during a day is to make it as unreal as possible because it's so fucking real. You have court dates. You've got to do a urinalysis test. Yeah, you can't get the money. You don't have to. It's like fucking unbelievable. It gives a reality to this dreaming like nothing else can do. Yeah, but now you've been relieved of a lot of that and you can watch its inception before you live its story. Yeah, and if you see its inception, you turn it over through six and seven. That's the spirit of recovery. The spirit of recovery is we do not mold our own lives. We give the clay over to the higher power, yeah? So we see the clay, and there you go. We see the clay in a misshapen form, and that's what I do to six and seven. I bring clay that's been misshaped over to six and seven, and I let that power reconfigure it, yeah? But it's a better use than I could. Yeah, so. Yeah. But I feel recovery progresses and, you know, we know what it's like to be established in alcoholism. Do we know really what it's like to be established in sobriety? Yes, we do. Lots of us. Yeah. It's a completely different uh, call and response (laughs) to life. It really is. Yeah. So I feel like I'm more established in sobriety than I ever was established in drug addiction tell you the truth I thought the hole was deeper then but that was a seemingly so but the real establishment is rooted in a higher power that is the fact of this whole event yeah sure so we agnostics yeah because when we're when that which is playing God is introduced to the idea of another God yeah we're all in a state of agnosticism there yeah we're in complete doubt about that God because we're in complete faith in the older God, you know, the fucking, the God of the self. Yeah. There's faith there. Faith is doing something at all times. It's where it's laid or put into that dictates its manifestation. So if faith is in the thought system, you're going to have a lot of anxiety in life. Yeah. You just are because your head's going to have a field day making shit up. And you're going to take it seriously. You're going to, the false evidence is going to be, we're going to be under the habit of seeing false evidence as real. Yeah. And then responding. That to me is slavery, the slavery of self. Now, uh, yeah, we see false evidence as what? False evidence. When we see that, we bring it to six and seven. Yeah. Yeah. Let what, what is real appear. Not the false evidence appearing real, but let's we let what is real appear. Yeah. That's the that's the response to false evidence of the head. You let really <laughs> real evidence appear. Yeah. <laughs> Which hopefully in your life overrides the false evidence. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. That false evidence is sort of funny now. I mean it's hilarious, really. 
<laughs> Where would you get your comedy skits other than false evidence? <laughs> you couldn't. You would have a, you know, fucking, that's where, that's the, that's like the gift that keeps on giving with satire and parody and fucking comedy is <laughs> the false evidence. It's incredible what the head comes up with. <laughs> I feel, I feel bad. I'm going to die. <laughs> There's just like, oh, I may feel, I'm going to die. It goes with such assurance. You just leap right to the, <laughs> and therefore I'm going to die. So fuck it. I'm going to do this. Or do... <laughs> so, so... <laughs> uh... <laughs> it's love it's love to see the huffing and puffing and not jump into the house gets blown down because the house never gets blown down it's just huffing and puffing <laughs> that's i wish i had that shirt on again you know yeah the situation is hopeless but not serious <laughs> that's the whole feeling of relief from the bondage of self the head's constantly presenting a hopeless situation and it's not taken seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly a beautiful description. Yeah. It's hopeless. All right. Pass me that sandwich. <laughs> Pass me another piece of pie. It's hopeless. <laughs> Nothing's going to get better. Fuck it. <laughs> It's been better all the while. It's ne never going to get better for years. <laughs> I'm telling you now, it's not going to get better. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, bro, I hope that helped. I don't know. Actually, it was, yeah, no, it was very helpful. I, I appreciate it. Thanks. I, I guess I guess the the what what this thing that happened last week, it wasn't so much that the thought popped up. Anyway. It was that I acted on it, and I was like, ugh. Yeah, it's so. not you. So, you know, sometimes the not you is easier to take when you see it. Sometimes the not you has a strong memory bank of being you. And yeah. so um, a sign of it signifies it's coming back or something else. Yeah, this is the way it gives its own credence to itself. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You really are an angry person. This right. whole well, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's it. You see, you right. one little demonstration of anger. You see, this is where the faith is fucking. Really, we have so much faith in the in the ability of the head to block us off from the sunlight of the spirit. It is not deserved. It's just a fucking misspent faith, really. Yeah, I mean, everyone is so okay with being fucked but it's a huge surprise when they're unfucked it blows my mind really we're so off balance like we immediately tend to we'll share at a meeting oh everything's great but i'm still crazy don't you know i'm not going anywhere i'm still under the rock don't worry it's just incredible yeah i mean we've there's so much this is why uh a lot of times the solution is emphasized. There needs to be descriptions of the problem. They need to be clearer because if the description of the problem isn't clear, 
there's going to be a nuded, a real mutated idea of the solution. I'm serious. The solution is going to be more impossible than the problem ever will be. The problem will always be possible, even when the solution's there, but the solution will never be there when the problem is. Yes, it's way, way off. Don't you think? It's incredible. So this is fundamental. This is fundamental like the world is round or flat. It's like that type of fundamental. Yeah, the, 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 the interpretive life is very, very biased, yeah? Like, if you're feeling good, you get worried that you won't be in five minutes. If you feel like you may be a little bit off, you think it's a lifelong depression starting. There's no balance there. There's none. So it'd be very important to see what is the look, how does it look when there's trusting the finite? Yeah, to be clear about that, because in most cases, that's what's the that's the primary condition. We're trusting the finite instead of the infinite. Definitely, most not what we are, but what we're not is completely trusting the finite. Yeah, so we we have to see that that which we take ourselves to be, we're not, because you're not going to go in there as it and change it sufficiently. It's not going to work. Yeah, the system doesn't have any intention of really radicalizing the system. It doesn't. Yeah, it's there to reinforce the system. So we have to see if as other in a way to recognize the possibilities that are available. I feel, yeah, the possibility of, hey, the problem does not exist as us. Not the problem does not exist for us but the problem does not exist as us. That's a very clear level, my feeling. Yeah. So six and seven is just part and parcel of that. You recognize something coming up that's not a product of you, and you turn it over to your, you know, your supervisor now, the higher power. Yeah. Yeah. Something entered the building. <laughs> Turn it over to the, the security guard. <laughs> Instead of calling it you, you suspect it. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It never was you. It never will be you. And it definitely isn't you now. It's just, that's its whole story. It's you. Yeah. When you meet it, it's, you call it me. Yeah. So it walks all over your life goes in and out of all your topics, does all its fucking activities, and every time it gets caught, you call it me. Fuck. It's, is it worried about getting caught? No, not anymore. <laughs> because every time it gets caught, you call it you. Yeah, that's the bondage of self. The bondage of self is taking yourself to be self. That's the bondage of self. All of its incredible flamboyant or subtle ways of expressing that we intimately have experiences of. But the real bondage is that. We are assuming that we are that called self. Yeah. We believe we are that. Yeah. We may want to, we also may want to believe we want to get out of that. 
But then being identified as that, we get caught in the net of self, can't get out of self. Yeah? And you would hope the fish would finally realize it then, hopefully. That self can't get out of self. So maybe the out is not being in self. Yeah, that's the out. What? Yeah, that's the out. The out is not based on escaping from what you think you're in. It's realizing you had never been in. Yeah. That was happening, but you were not in it. There was not a you that was in it, and there's not a you that's going to get out of it. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. That's like what St. Francis says. It's, in, it's forgetting self, yeah, and then you're reborn. It doesn't say you're re, reborn. It says this is the requirement, forgetting self, then reborn, yeah. Loss of interest, then a great interest, yeah. Loss of interest in something, and then a great interest. It's not just a great interest. First, you got to see where all the interest is going and lose interest in that. Not as that, that would be interest, but as that, you know, just loss of interest, that's all. And then there's a gaining of interest. Not as that, but just a gaining of interest. And now, this problem has sufficiently been dealt with. You've lost interest in self. Fucking hallelujah. Yeah? And seemingly, for most of us, life gets better with less of us in it. <laughs> like if I wrote the great novel, it'd be life without Paul. That's basically, that's the version I'm in right now. Life without Paul. <laughs> He's busily writing the story Life with Paul as I'm living life without Paul. <laughs> I'm not buying the book, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so life without Paul. So, yeah. So when something comes up like that, you had the experience of anger, it's not yours, yeah? But the anger is used to sort of galvanize an idea of you. Right. And you just bring that galvanized idea to the higher power and it extracts the energy and it changes the form, yeah? Yeah. Anger is a huge force if directed well. Man, anger is awesome. It's when it's claimed and used for the self by the self to support its narrative. It's part of bondage, but anger is an incredible energy surrendered. Yeah. How do most meetings start? Anger. People are pissed at the meeting, so they start a new one. Yeah. Anger can do great things. Yeah. Yeah. The weird thing is, I'll give you an example. I don't usually get pissed off much. Yeah. But I have a loyalty to, loyalty to the cat at the house because the cat isn't a very friendly cat to most people. It's just, he likes me and this, and my girlfriend pretty much. And so I'm protective of the cat. We get a dog, the dog gets bigger. It's a big dog now. And the dog, if you left the door, so the cat got moved pretty much in our bedroom, the food, and then it has the run of the yard and everything. And so if you left the door open, the dog would come in and eat the cat food. Yeah. 
And so a couple of times, I, I, one time I caught it and I got super pissed, yeah? And it's the first, it's the only thing it's ever learned, the dog. <laughs> That's how it learned. It will not come in to the bedroom, even if the door's open. Everything else, trying to give it commands, doesn't just does what it ever wants. But for some reason, because I blew up, yeah, that anger came out. It really impressed upon that dog. I'm not fucking with that little rule. Yeah. Now, do I want to demonstrate anger all the time? Obviously not. But that anger was used. And a couple other times, the only thing that dog's learned is when I've gotten angry. Yeah. No one else gets angry with it. I'm the only one. So when everyone else is here, I'm invisible. But it relies on me a lot because I'm the... Yeah, I'm the one that put it in its place, so to speak. Yeah. With anger, really. Nothing else would have worked. So what's one to do? If it's not your anger, you'll respond appropriately to a situation. Yeah. Sometimes it's, fuck. Like they used to have that bumper sticker. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. (laughs) I mean, that's how things are. Shit, I would be, I'm angry about shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm not, but there's anger about it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, bro. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, David, you've got your hand up. Thank you, Ben. Hi, Paul. It's nice to see you. Um, I'm going to try not to be long-winded. It's not exactly my, my strong skill. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just wanted to ask you know, a quick question. When we talked the other day, I think in the non-duality group, I told you that I was sort of um, you know, back off a bender. And um, just a little bit of my history. Like I was into drugs and psychedelics when I was young. Um, I had some experiences. I got involved in non-duality when I was very young, like about 17. I had a teacher. I joined a community when I was 18. That community fell apart because there were abuses of power on behalf of the teacher. And uh, when I returned home about 21, 22, uh, I just became a raging, you know, addict and alcoholic. It was a really bad scene. And had all the consequences, jails, hospitals, numerous times, all that kind of stuff, rehabs. Um, eventually, I got into the program and I had about six years sober, you know, worked the 12 steps. I was sponsoring other people. And kind of like you said a little bit, you know, I started having a new life, but I also I started becoming somebody, you know, I was becoming somebody in a community. And, and there was some selfing, you know, starting to kind of go on in that again. And eventually, because of that, I was given all the gifts, right? So I met a wife. She's beautiful. She had two young boys. You know, I became a stepfather. I got jobs. I got all sort of the gifts of the program, but I moved to a new area. And, I, you know, I, I felt uncomfortable at the meetings. And I, I had all this good life and this good thing going. And I got into non-duality, frankly, and spirituality again. And I allowed that to sort of start supplanting, you know, the resourcing I was getting from the meetings. And so eventually I started feeling like, that there were philosophical differences. And I don't know if this was the failed system of self or the thinking or the parasite coming back in, but I, I allowed it to separate me from the meetings. And that worked for a while, but eventually I started working too hard and getting into stimulants and getting into drugs. And they weren't my thing originally, so I didn't think it was going to be a problem. But of course, it led back to hospitals, you know, and so now my new wife and new life get to see me in all my glory, former glory. Uh, you know, but I got out of there and I didn't 
really want to go back to the program. So I started getting involved with these like refuge recovery and these Buddhist recovery programs and all these different things. And I became exactly what you said earlier, basically a, a Buddhist drunk, not really supplanting Buddhist, but you know, the, it wasn't working for me in the same way. Um, and, you know, I got a little bit better and, and everything went a little bit better, but eventually uh, I started thinking I was okay again. And I started drinking again. And that led it's about six to eight months leading to my last bender. And I just, I just got out of the hospital, like, you know, about a week ago or something like that. And I wanted to ask, cause like after all that shit, there's still sort of this like reluctance to get involved with traditional recovery. There's like, there's a few things going on. For one, I don't like the, the old feeling of being like institutionalized. You know, part of that is, is back there. For the other thing, like I, when I found your message, one of the things I loved is you didn't seem to have a problem with any discrepancy sort of fundamentally between non-duality and the program. And that, that had sort of become like a core, core thing in me as I felt like I had to sort of buy into some of these, you know, that I didn't agree with every single thing or every word in the book and that somehow that was a problem. And I just didn't, like, I, I wanted to know, you know, your opinion on, I mean, how much, is that just like the failed system resisting? Or do you say, you know, you don't need to? What is it that you feel about it? You know something. You know, a lot of times we know, but we don't want to know. So yeah. what I mean, you, obviously I, something's not working. Yeah, I mean, I, I know the evidence of what I've gotten recently. I know the evidence of what I got with, with the program, honestly, you know. But I, but I also know something wasn't working in there for me. And I don't know what it, you know, it's, I don't know if it was just that parasite again, trying to make some space. Yeah. Well, I would say it could or couldn't be. See, there's reluctance and then there's you that's reluctant. So that would be when the parasite claims it. Yes. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's not an either or thing. Uh, you could go to recovery and it's and uh and then have these other added supplements that make you feel like you're with people that understand that you're more alike yes you're more like-minded this mm -hmm. it's not like a replacement it's hopefully it will be an amplification of the principles mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. a secular or a group that you feel more comfortable with yeah yeah. But the point is, is to recognize that uh, you have those breakouts are, are happening. Yeah. And yeah. so obviously there must be something that's echoing to produce those effects. Mm. Yeah. So the point is the idea of surrender isn't contrary to non-duality. Yeah. It's of the realm of the action figure. And basically, the action figure, we just talked about it. The idea, the dilemma of powerlessness, uh, there may be still a sense of exerting power where you don't have it. Yeah. And so basically, you know, just admit you're outmatched with all your all your skillful means and shit like that. And you just got to give up the ghost, so to speak, or admit you can't give up the ghost. And that's the giving up the ghost. Yeah. 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 And then uh, refuge recovery prob can work. It's based on the same principles. But if it's, if it's like, I'm not in AA, I'm in refuge recovery, then you've gotten, you've gotten the differences instead of the similarities. Mm -hmm. And, things grow in that world of differences 
that don't grow in the world of similarities. Yeah. So you have to see what's going on. It's not like, oh, I'm doing this instead of that. No, I was introduced to that and it's grown into this. Yeah, there's nothing. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I've been lucky. I just don't have that many ideas about uh, comparing and seeing uh, the differences so much. Yeah. I feel non-duality is a fact and recovery is an event that uh, is sorely needed because there's a huge, huge missing of the fact of non-duality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the bondage of self is actually a, an impossible event in the fact of non-duality because there isn't any self. Yes. Mm-hmm. So basically recovery is for the dream factory, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to realize, uh, yeah, there's that which is dreaming. And then there's the idea of the dreamt and the dreamt needs recovery or needs a surrender and stuff. Yeah. So just admit you're outmatched. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, you can, you know, what happens is, You've seen it. You've seen it in movements. So there's movements. Yeah. Buddhism, let's say. And then the self tries to grok it. Of course, it's the important thing is the self and all the grokking. So then it synthesizes it and hybridizes it. So it's now Buddhism mixed with this and mixed with that. But it's still self. The selfing is like all over the fucking place. Yeah. So just see, you know, See, nothing's doing it for you, yeah? All your practice and shit aren't keeping you out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. Tell the truth about that and admit powerlessness, yeah? What do you think the hospital was? It was an indication. The wisdom is if you can read it, yeah? If not, it's going to lead to more events until you get it, yeah? So... This is perhaps the easier way is to realize the hospital doesn't mean I have to go keep going to the hospital. It can stop here. I can just admit, yeah, that there's something in me that I can't outdo. Yeah. Yeah. And call it whatever you want. You can call it your inherent nature, the Buddha nature, the higher power. It doesn't matter, but have some other power being influential other than the thought system yeah 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 Yeah. i mean one of my favorite parts of your message you know do service or whatever service you know sometimes we just need a reminder of humility yeah so you know going to the hospital is a humbling experience when you think you have things together yeah hopefully why is it a humbling experience to give to incite a humility, so to speak, to realize we're outmatched. Yeah. See, thank God for me. I when I saw that news flash on the screen 33 years ago, I'm fucked. I was convinced thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of what I'm not wasn't yet. That had to be subdued through recovery, but my like they called the innermost was completely convinced. Yeah. 
Yes, that I'm not managerial quality. So it's been easy in a way. Because I know I can't make myself into anything. I can't do it. Yeah? I'd much rather surrender and let something do for me what I can't do for myself. Yeah? Yeah. And if that's if you don't arrive there, you're gonna be occupied by the selfing. Yeah. Because you're gonna have a God in a weird way, either way. Either the lower God of self is going to be where the faith is, or in the infinite. Yeah? I think you can get a pretty good uh, clarity about this, still faith in the finite, and just admit that. Yeah? Admit it. And you'll know the tree by its fruits. If you don't go to the hospital in a while and you're not fucking drinking up, up a storm and shit, something's working. <laughs> yeah. And just allow it to work. Clean up the mess, make amends, do exactly what we do in recovery. Yeah. Make an amend and say, hey, you know, for all intents and purposes, I'm declaring that I do not want to do this to any other person in this life. Yeah? And ask for the power to, you know, fulfill that thing. To me, that's what an amend is. Yeah? If I'm relying on self, I can't honestly make that because uh, self has no intention of changing its ways. Yeah? But when I'm relying on the infinite, I can say that with honesty and truth that I am willing not to do what I seem to have done to you, to anyone else. I, was, I declared that many times this life. And there was weight behind it, because I wasn't speaking from the self. I wasn't. I was speaking from trusting the infinite. Yeah? And some of my amends, I've never had to make amends for them. Yeah? I carried through. Something changed me sufficiently that I, I didn't do to people what I used to do to people. Yeah? Hallelujah. So, yeah. Yeah, just stay in touch with us or whatever. And, uh, yeah, yeah. From this day on, yeah. The third step is a beautiful step to say, yeah? The third and the seventh step prayer are beautiful. Yeah. Take the good and the bad of me. Put it to good, better use. Yeah. Yeah. And then get the support you need. And be supportive of others that need support. Yeah. Play your role in the, in the agenda of AA, which is to practice these principles in all our affairs and help other people achieve sobriety. Yeah. That's not a heavy yoke to bear. It's a beautiful way of life to be available to others. Yeah. Being of service doesn't mean I'm doing service all day, but I'm of service. Yeah, I'm available. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. For Appreciate sharing. it. Yeah. Thank you for yeah for sharing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. I like what you, well, it, it sums up for me as well, describing it as being struck sober. 
um, someone where I live who's just had another relapse and they're not, um, well, the, the reason I, I, I chose the reading is, it is the, the, the God aspect or whatever that is prejudiced towards in AA. So it is, it's kind of baffling for, for me. I, I've just been kind of, I was in AA for maybe nine months and then suddenly the obsession just went. And it's like, um, yeah, it's just a bit baffling just seeing this guy. Um, maybe didn't want it, or you can't get it. Yeah, so I'm, I was just trying to maybe understand more the surrender and how that even comes about. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of what's been said is, is kind of, yeah. Well, sometimes uh, don't use the condition you're in to worry about other conditions. Just stay in the condition, yeah? You know? Yeah. Just feel into it. I've lost a lot of interest in knowing what's going on. <laughs> I just don't care. Yeah. I just don't. I just, uh, you know, I meet the day. I don't need an introduction to the day. I meet the day. Here, things happen. Yeah. Nothing of great note goes on yeah there's a availability so you know i can see the light in the animals and shit they can uh yeah yeah but a lot of people sometimes you know in hinduism they talk about uh these deep mental grooves Called, and they call them samskaras, yeah? So deep mental grooves. What is alcoholism but a deep mental groove? The problem resides in the mind. Uh, that falls under the term mental. And samskara, you know, you'll get relief and then you'll go back out. You would say that's a stubborn deep mental groove, so to speak, yeah? That's So in a way, the destiny of that action figure is to go their sobriety may not be uninterrupted. Yeah, their sobriety may have a lot of flare ups where the thing, you know, takes over the stage again and then has to be. Yes, others, they get struck sober. The battle is over. Yeah. They're not seized. They, they're not fighting much. And uh, yeah, this 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 event that's caused by things we can't see can take its own course. It can look any way it wants. Yeah. The beautiful thing about recovery, sort of like a statement in the Course in Miracles says, says there are mistakes, but no sins. So everything can be corrected. Yeah, because everything is a mistake. In other words, a misperception or something. So no matter how many times you leave, you can always come back to recovery unless it's too much damage has occurred where the brain is wet or something. But basically, and then you could still come back and have some cookies and coffee and friendship and shit like that. So, yeah, there's no uniform for recovery, yeah? People that going in and out are, are part of it. People that stay... A 
part of it, people that don't get it are part of it, people that get it are part of it. Yes, it's a very loose-knit little event in some ways. So uh, thank God we don't have any uh, testing exams and shit like that, or pay scales. Yeah, just we have a sobriety today, hopefully. Yeah, and if you don't, there's a hope that you can is also available yeah so maybe the best you can do is it's not going to be as bad as it was yesterday that's a possibility today at meetings yeah so uh, i've seen a lot of people who go out after 20 years and stuff i used to i haven't been going to live meetings much here yet but uh and usually most of them, it was a huge surprise. Something just sort of weaseled in, worked its little thing, led them to a fuck it or a possibility that hadn't been entertained for years. And then they drink and then they think it's successful because nothing bad happens for a while. And then that one time they drink in this uh, the sequence of successful drinking, the craving appears and the obsession kicks up more, the volume. And they're completely caught by surprise. They for, had forgotten how it was, which is hard. To, it's hard to remember how it was. You know, it's a living fucking bondage. I can say I was fucked up for years, but it wasn't like living being fucked up for years. It doesn't even get close to how it feels. So they get caught and then... I hear them at a meeting and they can't believe the craving is again. They thought that was all long gone and now they just can't, they just want to keep drinking. They didn't have that for years and they didn't expect it. They had forgotten it really because they can't capture it with memory and they got caught by surprise and now they fucking want to drink while they're sitting at the meeting. <laughs> yeah, this is, hey, you know, we, we're on a game board that we can see, but a lot of elements of the game are not noticeable, yeah? There's a lot of powers and forces going on to move that, that pawn to the next square, yeah? And it ain't the pawn that's moving it, that's for sure. So the idea of why from a limited system doesn't, it's not a big uh, win for me. Because even if it does, even if it thinks it knows, it doesn't translate to too much power, really. So, yeah. Understand alcoholism, not as a personal experience, but as a possibility and recognize what fuels it, reinforces it, what its basis is. And then realize deeply you're outmatched because you're thinking about alcoholism from alcoholism really usually so there's a there's a, a point of hey i don't have the ability to deal with this hallelujah thank god yeah <laughs> and then you have the ability to deal with it that's what happens i don't think i was had problem with drinking i had problem with sober living i didn't i couldn't I didn't like having uncontrolled feelings dominate my day. I felt afraid of that. So being loaded all day, uh, 
when a girl broke up with me and then broke up me when I was loaded, it was totally different because I already had a feeling when I was loaded. So her, the feeling that she incited didn't have enough to pierce my heart because I was fucking loaded. And I found a security in being fucked up. I did. To what could happen to me during a day. I said, I'd better be one who throws the first punch, so I'm going to get myself fucked up before you fuck me up, basically. And what happened? I made a deal with the devil, and the devil became me, so to speak. <laughs> there you go. Now it's not. Never was, never will be. Yeah. So... Hey, thanks. Anyone else? We got any other questions, Ben? It doesn't look like it. There's no, no raised hands. Well, we can say goodbye. Eh? Okay. You want? Yeah. Let's see. Ben, nice to meet you, bro. Hey, and nice. Yeah. I've met you before. I missed a little of what you said because of the volume, but the quality, but. I get you very much. So it's very nice to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Rule 62 is going to be very dominant in most of our lives. Forget the first 61. Rule 62, don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> what about the 61 rules? They bypass them. We just get to rule 62. <laughs> uh, all right, Kerry, nice to see you, man. Yeah, is this no, is this your place in Hawaii? So here's the deal. Um, no, I'm renting this place. Uh, it's I just want to say a couple things quick. Uh, it's Judith's birthday today. She oh. we slept we slept in a tent last night, and uh, I'm renting this place. But uh, life is good. I mean, uh, I love these talks. Um, the questions have kind of evaporated. But uh, the living keeps going on. I love, I love coming here, and I uh, love seeing everybody. And uh, no, we're we're building a place, Paul. So uh, it's starting. Yeah, they're there. They were there yesterday building, and today they're building the first little house. So you're welcome as soon as things get going. And thanks again. Oh, great, great. We're gonna have a new compound, Zen Bitch Slap. High walls, fucking barbed wire on the top, secret handshake to get in. Everyone will be welcome. <laughs> All right, well, let me see. We got Ben and Kerry, PK from New York. Nice to see you, bro. A true Long Islander. We got Tom, nice to see you, Tom. Is this the Tom that I never see before? Tom has appeared. Yeah, me? I thought you were a, a color swatch. Now you're... No. There's a I was here a few times. It's not my first. I was here a few times. Yeah, yeah. We met I before. The Tommy, the Tommy that has it all. Are you? Yes? Did you send me the blues music? I don't know. I lost them. Well, I'm happy to see you, Tom. Yes. All right, we got Paul next to PK. Nice to see you, Pablo. Always a pleasure. Oh, here's the Tommy right underneath Tom. So Tommy just appeared. 
He's like, like a color swatch. He's got a, all I see is like an, I don't even, I'm colorblind, but I'll call it ochre. <laughs> ah, Mickey, the matriarch. Yes, a Madeira. A Madeira. Nice to see you, Mickey. Mickey is actually pulling all the strings, unbeknownst to most of us. Yeah. We got David B. Nice to meet you, David. Yeah. And if you can't be gentle on yourself, let others be gentle, yeah? Yeah. Don't take out that big whipping stick. Yeah, put it down. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yes. Yeah. We got Connor. There he is. A man that's very happy to realize there is no self. Yes. Thanks, bro. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for your attendance. Nan, Nanette, there she is. She's alive with the spirit. Yes. She's, she's got the candle. She's praying for all of us without uttering a word. That's very nice. Appreciate it. We got Reed. Hey, Reed, how are you, brother? Yeah, nice to meet you there. Oh, we got uh, we got Alex and Jacob. The uh, the East Coast and the West Coast meet. Yes, yeah, there they are. Hey, West Coast, be nice to the East Coast. Yeah, all right. Uh, Stefan on having never left. Yeah. Oh, Christy L. Nice to meet you, Christy. And there's Carl. I always like to see Carl. Oh, Ruby, our our emissary in Kansas, in Wichita. There she is. Yeah. Uh, we got Tom from New Hampshire. Keene. Yes. Nice place. I like, I really like New Hampshire. The police didn't really like me there, but I loved it. It was very nice. Yeah. Uh, we have Kaiser. He's in L.A. now. Uh, we got Leah. There she is. This is how I met Leah, prone on a couch. It's always good. Yeah. Uh, we got, oh, oh, Linda appeared, made an appearance there with Kurt. There they are. You're looking like you remember that cult that was thinking there was a, a, a spaceship behind the sun. You're looking like two members that escaped the uh, the event. Are you wearing sneakers, the same kind of sneakers? I thought they wore certain sneakers. Yeah, there you go. We did escape the event. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's you can't kill that cult. It's still growing in Redondo Beach. All right, it's okay. So next time I come down, I got to wear white, yeah? All right. I got some t-shirts. All right, we got Lebowski. 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 James Lebowski. Lebowski is one of my favorite characters of all moviedom. Yes. Yeah. I always love the scene where he tries to pay with a check for the... Half and half. That was pretty good. <laughs> we got uh, Kaiser. 
If any if anyone hasn't seen the Big Lebowski, you should check that movie out. It's a classic, yeah. Yeah. We got uh Kaiser. Kaiser is uh working driving very important people around in LA. Jeez. Why am I not in the back seat? No. Oh, she's she's driving Nina around. Oh, that's nice. Oh, so uh I drive a long way to drive Nina around, so there you go. We got Michael Stacy. There he is. He's the man of Madeira. Yeah. The Don Quixote of the Valley. Chasing windmills. I'm going Remember, bro, there's nothing in the closet. Yeah. All right, we got Steve from the UK, Jack G, Jack G, back to his normal appearance. I don't know where Jack G may be right now. Uh, let's see. I don't think that's it, I think. So let's um, say goodbye to this one. Hey, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Kerry. Thank say hello to Judith. Wish you a happy birthday from Amelia and I. Yes? Yes, yes. It was nice to meet her son. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a yeah. little because we were trying to get ready to do the Zoom with the live. So I was. Oh little... no, and we we had to we had to bail too. There's so much going on right now for both of us. I'm working and we're doing all this stuff. So I try to get here as much as I can, and I'm always watching. So thanks. Oh, you're welcome, bro. Yeah, stay in hey, touch. Hey Ben, hit stop recording. I'll hit stop recording.